listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series with a new set of uh, conversations for 2024. Looking forward to talking about church music, mm. the role of a cantor, and that impact on how how church musicians and congregations make a difference in helping young people consider serving as church workers in the future. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Jonathan Rudy. He serves as cantor at Grace Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Jonathan, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Andy and Sarah, great to be with you all and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Happy New Year and uh, Happy Epiphany as well. I'm looking forward to learning about your congregation and your role in your congregation. Tell us a little bit about Grace Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. For those of us who don't know Tennessee geography very well, um, <laughs> where would we find Grace Lutheran Church? Well, Clarksville, Tennessee is uh, the fourth or fifth largest city in Tennessee. It's in and of itself, it's about 200,000 people and growing every single day. It hosts Fort Campbell's Fort Campbell Army Post. Uh, uh, and it's to the northwest of about an hour or so from Nashville, Tennessee. So it's northern Tennessee, almost to the Kentucky border. Mm-hmm. And Grace Lutheran is a congregation of about 300 or on a Sunday, more than that in membership. And we're blessed to have a vibrant uh, membership of all ages and uh, a lot of exciting things going on. How is Grace able to serve the surrounding community where you are? It sounds like it's it's a very diverse community with a lot of different people, socioeconomic ways that you can serve people. Right. Well, again, uh, being neighbors to Nashville and, and hosting Fort Campbell as well, uh, we have a lot of people coming into uh, the area, uh, young and, uh, and otherwise, that are looking for a church home. Oftentimes, uh, one of the struggles that we have down in uh, the Mid-South and especially is this true in Tennessee, which is Methodist and Baptist country, people don't often know what Lutheranism is. And so one of the advantages that we have is because, because of the demographics of the area, we do get a lot of Lutherans that are moving to the area, that are moving, looking for a church home. We also have a chance to open our doors and tell other people what it's like to be confessional and Lutheran. Tell us a little bit about what you get to do as cantor. Well, the role of the cantor is principally to lead the musician or lead the church in song. And so my role, strictly talking here about Grace Lutheran Church, is I lead the organ and I lead the hymn singing and the choir that is associated with that. I make sure that the hymns and everything else associated with the service planning all wraps around that one goal, that one united goal of uplifting God's word in and proclaiming it and leading the congregation in praise and prayer. So my role is a very busy one. I, I have to be in several different areas, oftentimes at the same time, leading <laughs> choirs, handbells, youth in music as well. We do have a lot of young folks in our congregation and youth and we have Sunday school choirs that are a part of that. We teach lessons. There's a, there's a lot of different ways that we do this. But again, it's all circling around the divine service. 
different ways that we can uplift God's word in song and, and put it closer to our hearts and our minds. What's your relationship to others who serve in the congregation, to the pastor? And uh, I believe you also mentioned that there is an associate cantor as well, correct? Yes. Well, so I'll start with the associate cantor. We're very blessed to have my wife and a very wonderful organist as well, Katie Rudy, serving in our congregation as well as associate cantor. And we were able, because of uh, the ability to have two different musicians in the congregation, uh, to do a couple things that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, we have Katie leading one of the Sunday school choirs where I have to lead the other one. Um, Katie teaches in the preschool. Um, and so it just allows us to be in a few more places at one time. Um, and uh, Katie is really one of the best there is. I, and of course, we have a wonderful pastor at the congregation too, Larry Peters. And he is an extraordinary pastor to work with as Cantor very knowledgeable in church music and the value of it to the congregation and to the proclamation of the word. And I would, it's, we as a pastor to cantor relationship, we have to work very, very closely. This is the case for any church. We have to make sure that there's lots of collaboration going on between hymn planning, between what is being preached and proclaimed and the word, that the music uplifts that, that it that it is that same united front so that the whole service, really the whole mission of the church, is united and clear. Yeah, talk more about that relationship, because that's something that uh, a lot of churches have a, a pastor and a cantor or, or a, a director of church music that have to work collaboratively together. What does that relationship look like on a week-to-week basis? And especially during like festival season, we just got through the Christmas season and church musicians are all breathing heavy sighs coming through all of that. I'm sure you as well. What does that look like, that collaboration look like for the pastor and the church musician working together? Well, for the pastor, uh, especially during the busy seasons, it means a lot of knocks at the office door for starters and a lot of questions and, and points. But you can never assume that the other person knows something that is going on. You have to communicate very clearly and very well. And again, you you have to have in mind what the other person is trying to do to make sure that your work, as as in my case, the cantor, is supportive of the pastor. So again, let's talk about the services, for instance. During the service, I want to make sure that my worship planning that the music I'm selecting from the organ, that the way I'm playing the hymns is all supportive of not only just what the readings are, but as, as much as I'm able to tell in advance, the way that pastor is going to be preaching on those readings. Martin Luther always would say that, the, for example, the hymn of the day is that second sermon. And so as an organist, we have that unique ability to orchestrate and to lead the singing of that, not just in a neutral way, but in a way that interprets the words, that lifts them closer to our hearts, and that eventually is going to support the pastor's role in preaching that word from the pulpit. So very closely. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good example. I was just going to ask for an example. <laughs> I, I think that's a good example. Any other examples of of 
how you lead the congregation in song and how that supports what else is happening in the divine service. Mm. What, what does it mean? What do you mean by uh, leading the congregation in song? And like, for example, when you lead the congregation in a hymn, can you give us an example of how that supports what's being preached from the pulpit? What's What else is happening in the divine service? How does that that work of the cantor make a difference? Well, absolutely. Like I said, music is not a neutral subject. It can interpret and uplift or destroy the words that it's trying to carry, which is why we can't take the, the words from joy to the world and put it to the tune, for example, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. It just doesn't quite work, right? So one of the ways that a cantor is able to able to interpret and preach from uh, from the music is at the organ we have almost limitless options to register to color the verses to choose different colors for different words and different different themes different hymns right and one of the favorite examples i love is we just talked about joy to the world how about verse three? No more let thorns infest the ground. What I love to do on that verse is I pull uh, a deep bassoon and an oboe and a trumpet, basically all the reeds I have on the organ and make it really gnarly. Um, so you, you hear the thorns um, that have infested uh, from original sin. And I've had people tell me, uh, faithful uh, members of our congregation and, and folks who may... Uh, may not uh, have otherwise paid very close attention to the text. They said, oh, I heard the thorns. I always love to pull on the zimbelstern. Probably too much. I use it a lot. The zimbelstern is a, a, a circular set of bells that when you pull it, it just makes a lot of ringing and, and joyful sound. I love to use that for whenever we talk about lights or stars. So given that this is the season of the epiphany, we'll be using that one quite a bit. <laughs> Zimbelstern all the time. I did not grow up with a Zimbelstern. And I remember, actually, I can't remember the first time I heard one, but there was a while in my early adulthood that every time someone would play a Zimbelstern, I would be overly excited and squeal maybe a little bit in church because it's just, it adds a little bit of, I don't know, that it's, I don't want to say like whimsy, that, that might feel a little weird, but that just that little extra, extra amount of insight and like feeling into these things. It's just fun. I love Zimbelsterns. Um, it's a talked... joyful sound. It, it really is. is. And in, in our churches, as a lot of churches have, with the organ being visible and a facade in front, you can actually see all the pipes. So there's a visible star that as you turn on the bells, the Zimbelstern, the star rotates again and again. And so Usually the kids are the ones that are looking towards the back of the room during church. Uh, so the kids will always tell me they love to see the star turn. But it is a joyful thing. I would be one of those people, too. Well, Sarah's all excited now. Now I want to come see the star. I know. Um, I want to hear the symbol turn. We are going to learn more about church music and encourage young people to consider church work as well at Grace Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others. 
To live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. To live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with Cantor Jonathan Rudy at Grace Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee for our Set Apart to Serve series. And you've talked about some wonderful music that you do and making the organ gnarly when it needs to be gnarly, which I think is a word more people need to use with church music because there are some gnarly parts of hymns. I love that. And you're talking about, I, you mentioned that I think you, you have two Sunday school choirs. Is Did you mention two Sunday school choirs? Actually, we have three Sunday school choirs. Okay. So that leads me to my question about all of your, talk about your music programs and how these programs are really helping kids learn more about church music in general and maybe leading them into careers in church music? Singing has become a a less common thing in our day and age, in our culture, and certainly this is no more the case, or this is the case especially for our youth. And so we, we try to emphasize, even with our youngest of youth, that singing is okay. It's wonderful to do in church, and it's indeed the expectation of what we do in church. So from age two and three, we have them singing hymns. And guess what? We have them singing hymns all the way through middle school and high school, through those harder years where peer pressure is a bigger thing. And we just tell the kids, look, it might not be your favorite thing. It doesn't have to be. And as my wife always tells middle schoolers when she works with them, we're never going to make you sing a solo. That's not the point here, but we are going to make you sing together because that's just what we do in church. That's what hymns are all about. And speaking of those hymns, which are really one of the best musical ways of proclaiming the faith, in our Sunday school choirs, we have a modified version of a hymn of a month. Really, it's more like a hymn per season. And all the kids from that youngest age to the high schoolers are learning um, one verse, one part, or all of that hymn. Uh, And especially with the older kids, uh, the older youth, we ask them to memorize some of the hymns. That's one of the reasons that we do that. And we think that's important is because when you memorize something, you have it a little bit closer to your heart, a little bit closer to your mind, you take it with you wherever you go. And if you have it memorized, maybe one day when your faculties aren't as wonderful as they are now, you'll still be able to sing those hymns. We see this all the time. Anyone ever goes and Christmas carols, for example, at a nursing home or a dementia facility, it's it's really interesting and, and inspirational to see people who otherwise don't do much speaking or have real trouble with their memories all of a sudden break into uh, a Christmas carol with you without any trouble, uh, without looking at a book. Really without thinking about it. So music has that way of bridging uh, gaps that otherwise um, would be hard um, in all stages of life. You know, think about how we teach the alphabet to our children. We don't just get them to recite it. We get them to sing it. And nobody forgets their alphabet because they can sing their ABCs. I, I 
best example I have too is the reason I know all fifty states states is because there's a song that goes with it. <laughs> uh, perhaps you all learned that one day in school too. Uh, I mean, it's that's one of the ways that music is one of the ways that we can uh, bring things closer to our minds and our hearts um, and help us to understand it better. So the youth are a great example of that. Even you know, even in uh, adult age too, we we do a lot with hymns. We do a lot with really good quality church music anthems. We expect a lot from our adults in choir and our ensembles. One of the reasons that we do that is because we think what we do on Sundays is important. And so we don't do things that are would send the message that it's not important. We do hard music because we think it's worth the while and we have the ability to do it. We we do music that is of good quality and has good text because, of course, that's mission critical to the word that's proclaimed in worship. You've expressed that, that, that you communicate expectations, that you use music that is important and meaningful to what we believe, teach, and confess. What has been the response of, of children, youth, and even adults to um, the expectations and to the music and, and to what they're doing in choirs and in music at Grace Lutheran Church? Well, I've always found that people tend to respond positively to reasonably high expectations. Uh, and, and nowhere is this the case more than our youth. Youth want to be treated like adults and to be asked to do harder things. And again, I find that the the message that's portrayed from higher expectations, high liturgy and high music within worship is that what we do there is important. And and our youth, they they begin to understand that church work through that is important. And all of a sudden they start to become involved in more. We have several of our uh, of our Sunday school choir, middle schoolers and high schoolers who have transitioned not only in the, they not only sing in the middle school and high school Sunday school choirs, but now they sing in the high, in the, the adult choir as well, a very high commitment level and they love it. Um, and you know, all that in turn is showing them through what we do on Sunday morning, what's done in the divine service that it is important it is a worthwhile thing to do, not only with your time now on a Tuesday night for an hour and a half or on a Sunday morning for three hours, but with the rest of your life. And we have a lot of youth that have put some thought into that. All this is backed up, by the way. You know, it's not just music. It's backed up by really serious and, and well done teaching in Sunday school and church. It's backed up by efforts like Set Apart to Serve. And things like Higher Things and other organizations of the LCMS that the youth have come to trust, to appreciate, and to uh, consider. Talk a little bit more about your collaboration with the Set Apart to Serve initiative and and getting involved on a district level as well. Well, I I was asked uh, to become part of a a team as a part of the Mid-South uh, district of the LCMS for Set Apart to Serve. This is one of the pilot uh, districts, maybe even the only pilot district at this time. I'm not totally sure. Uh, but it is one of the districts that is employing a local committee 
to address the needs of set apart to serve specifically within the Mid-South district. So that's Tennessee, that's Arkansas, a very wide area. And so we have talked as a group and implemented various various ways of recognizing church workers and again encouraging our youth by their example to consider highly consider a career in church music or in in church work which includes church music <laughs> we need great church musicians right we do <laughs> but it also i mean it includes teachers and pastors and so many other vocations and as we know there's a great need for workers in Christ's vineyard i've been trying to emphasize this in our newsletter for the this past fall with a, a series of articles about set apart to serve and what it does and the lord provides the workers so we need to continue to pray that the workers will will come into the vineyard as has been promised. We have no shortage of youth, or at least in this congregation. And as a result of what they see on a Sunday, as, as a result of what they participate in with the church and all of their different activities within the church, they come to realize that this is a, a serious thing and a, and a really laudable and wonderful way to devote your time and, and in your life in the service. What does what does this year, 2024, hold for music? What's the outlook for this year for music at Grace Lutheran Church? Well, of course, here we are in after Epiphany. Grace Lutheran Church has traditionally done one thing a little bit differently in the Christmas season. And so we actually just finished off our Epiphany concert. Rather than doing a Christmas concert in the pre-Christmas Advent rush, of things. We do a concert featuring sacred music and our choir, sometimes our handbells and other ensembles as well, right around the Feast of the Epiphany. And it's become a little bit of a staple in our community. Um, it's certainly a way that we open our doors to a, a larger group of people and, and tell them what it is we do as Lutherans and um, invite them to come back for worship. Um, this year, we just finished up the, uh, a concert of the first half of Bach's Christmas Oratorio, uh, a mighty wonderful work for the Christmas season, and so we look forward to doing future concerts uh, like that in, in years to come. We do have, again, the standard uh, Lenten and Easter seasons to look forward to, and of course, the, the choir is, and other uh, ensembles are as busy as ever new music every Sunday, and always in service to our Lord. Well, very good. I, I've learned a lot, and it certainly has given me some insights on how um, church music and being involved in church music, especially especially expressing expectations, can make a difference for engaging youth, not only with church music, but how that will make a difference for them to consider church work vocations as well. Our guest today, Cantor Jonathan Rudy of Grace Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thanks so much for being our guest and being a part of the Set Apart to Serve series. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.